little bit about you and know that there are things in your life going on where I know that you have to make decisions and um, just seeking God's direction on different things. And uh, I can tell you that uh, it can um, get a little overwhelming if, if you allow it because uh, I'm not capable of, of uh, handling all of that myself. But today, I think in this, this passage, we're going to see that uh, truly God's word, it's amazing to me how God can take his word through the power of the Holy Spirit and whatever is going on in your life today, he can take what the passage is that we're going to look at today and use it in your life and meet a need that you have and give you direction. And that's only the Holy Spirit that can take his word and do that. And and I, I just pray for you guys. I, I want, you know, I, I want our church to... Uh, and I pray this a lot. I do want to reach more and more people. I, I let let's make a difference in this county. Let's uh, tell people about Jesus. Let's tell them about His Word and the goodness of God. And and there's there's so much turmoil in our in our world today. And and uh, so many <coughs> try to promote that so that you know follow the money and so much of that. But. Uh, there are others that just like to control people and so they can control you with fear and and God doesn't do that do you realize that I, I mean there are times where we should fear God he is a consuming fire uh, it tells us and and we have seen that he is a holy God and and let us not mock who God is and and be careful of those things but we, we also know that the God is full of grace God is full of mercy and the kind of fear I'm talking about uh, Paul wrote to Timothy before he died and said, God has not given us the spirit of fear. And, and so I, I hope and pray that we can understand that. And I think that uh, as, a, as a pastor and as a shepherd, I mentioned this earlier, I just have, uh, as I watch things, it, it just <clears throat> kind of, in my own mind, I've just thought that our that our church has been pretty focused, and here lately maybe we've kind of veered off a little bit, kind of lost our focus a little bit, and and so over the last <coughs> couple of months or so, at least the last month or so, I've been trying to about six weeks now, I've been trying to uh, bring this back and and make sure that all of us are staying focused and and headed the right direction and. Uh, Finding God's um, purpose in our lives, and uh, and and the, the the closer we get to God, just the better it's going to be for your family. the The closer you walk with the Lord in in your personal relationship, the better husband you will be, the better wife you'll be, the the better mom, the better grandparent, or better dad, or uh, grandparent, or and and really the the better person in the community to. Um, be what God wants us to be. And, and so I pray that Second Peter can help us with that and understanding that there are battles that come from their inner battles uh, from, from in, our, in our walls. And whether it be in the walls of our church building by our church family or whether it be in the walls of your own home. And, and there are things that we need to watch out for. And I find it interesting here that that really the, the entire first chapter of Second Peter, Peter hasn't brought out all of the, the attacks that are happening. He has just shown us how to handle the attacks and, and 
how we need to get our, our hearts right and how knowledge is power. And the more we know of God and the more we know of his word and know more of how to wield it and use it in our lives, the better equipped we are. And, and truly then we can be what God wants us to be. And, and what is it that, that God wants us to be? Well, he, he has empowered us, first of all, uh, he's given us uh, uh, all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Everything that we need for this life today and, and even eternal life, he has given to us. And he's given us the gospel. He's given us the word of God to show us how to live and, and, and has shown us so, like I said earlier, I think there, there are over 33,000 estimated promises in the word of God. And he's given us those promises that, that we can take and use in our lives and and for this life, and, and for godliness, to, to live in a godly fashion. You know, the, the world's always challenging us. The culture is challenging us. The stresses of the day are, are always trying to, to get us to react in an ungodly way. And, and God's word, though, is right here for us and wants us to live in a way that is <clears throat> acceptable to him and, and really shows the being a partaker of the divine nature. You, you are a sharer of that very divine nature and has brought us out of the corruption that is in the world through lust. And so, and then he told us there are those seven things that, that we need to add uh, to our faith. And so uh, we, we need to have faith. First of all, saving faith. Do you know Christ is your Savior? I, I don't, I don't want to play games. I Brother Walters, that the pastor I was telling you about, he uh, he woke up yesterday morning and was planning his day, and by the end of the day, he was in glory. We don't know how much time we have, and so I, I don't want to hesitate and and be afraid of upsetting you. I'm telling you today that if you're sitting here and and you cannot give me the uh, biblical explanation of, of how you have come to trust Christ as your Savior and you realize you're a sinner and, and your heart is blackened. And, and look, we're all in that same boat. We all sin and come short of the glory of God. Nobody's condemning you. We're all there, okay? But you need to come to the realization that you're a sinner and that Jesus Christ died for the sins of the world. And the only way you're ever going to get into the presence of God and into heaven is through the key, and that key is Jesus. You need to call on Christ to be your Savior today and trust Him as your, as your Savior. And don't, don't play games with that. Don't, don't trust in any kind of work that you think that could be pleasing to God. Don't, don't trust your baptism. Don't trust in your church membership. Don't trust in your, your giving of your time, treasures, or talents to God. Don't trust in any of that. Trust in what Jesus Christ has done and in that only. And when you call on Christ to forgive you and you're saying, I am placing my trust in you, Jesus, and, and I want you to be my Savior, and, and guess what? He'll save you. And then you take that faith for salvation, and, and then you start growing in your walk and understanding what the Bible says. And as you read it and as you nurture that relationship that you have with him, you, you start finding that he, he shows you how to live, and, and, he, and you find out that he... It uh, gives you all things unto life and godliness. And, and so then your faith, then you start adding these others. Virtue, which is that moral excellence. Being moral and, and moral based upon the Bible's definition of morality. And then you add to that knowledge. And 
the more you read and the more you live your life in trusting God to, uh, and, and living for Him, the more you get to know about God and, and the more you know about godliness and how to live. And then temperance comes on that where you're learning some self-discipline in your life and, and how we need to be showing that temperance and, and then patience, the endurance, the, the steadfastness of one's faith. And and then you add to that patience, godliness. And the more patience you have, the godly you're going to become. And, and as you become godly, then God's going to start developing in you a brotherly kindness. That You can see that in the world at times. You can see people who are kind to one another that don't know Christ as their Savior. But then you see that as you grow in your brotherly kindness, then you're going to start growing in what's called charity. And charity is an agape love that only God gives and and I do not believe that the world can have that agape love. It's given by God. And it's given through the Holy Spirit of God. We are not capable of loving that way that, that God is telling us to love our brethren and to love each other. We're just not capable in our human uh, elements of who we are. We're just not capable of loving like that without help from God. But with God, we can. And, and so we need to do that. And... and uh, you know, the, and I, I emphasize this because we are battling this every day, the, the hatred and the, you know, the, the world trying to stir us up and in uh, saying that, you know, there, there's so much racism and, there, and there's so much homo, homophobes that are uh, causing all kinds of hatred in our world today. Christians, if we're walking as we ought to, we do not hate anyone other than the devil. Now, just because... That's the case doesn't mean that we accept everything. That's what the world, that's what the devil is so sly at. Well, if you love me, then you got to accept me. I told you years ago, my, my nephew, who, who has passed away now, and, and, uh, but he was out here one time visiting, and he was a, he was a young kid and, 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 you know, just trying to learn how to get along and things. And, and it was that time when, when it just started where you run your pants way down low. And and uh, we were getting ready to go to Cabela's. That was one of the things we always drive to Sydney and go to Cabela's and look around. And and he comes be bopping out of the house, and his pants are down by his thighs. And I said, "It's not happening. You're going to pull up your pants." He said, "Why?" I said, "Nobody wants to see what what I'm seeing right now. Pull up your pants." He said, "Well, you got to accept me for who I am." I said, "I do. I love you. Pull up your pants." I don't love that, that part of you, okay? And you can pull up your pants. And he pulled up his pants, and we went to Cabela's. Otherwise, we were going to go back in the house, you know, and he'd eaten a fried bologna sandwich. And so, uh, but, and, and so we need to, to understand that, that we do love people. And, and look, if somebody comes in that, uh, you know, Lord forbid if somebody came in and was a Democrat, you know? <laughs> I mean, you know what? We, we love them. Now, I'm going to do my best to convince them that that's not the path, all right? Let, let's, uh, but I'm not sure that Republican is the way to go either, you know? I don't, I, man, I am as confused as a goose in a hailstorm about the politicians today, you know? But that's why I'll just trust in God. But you know what we need to do, though? We love people, and we take them where they are, but we help them get where they need to be. And look, we're all in that sinful boat, but... We, we need to start changing things in our lives and starts with salvation and then we start adding those things to our lives and, and then pretty soon we see God starting to conform us into the image of Christ and, 
Uh, do, you, do you think that if, if Jesus ran into somebody with, with some other kind of a lifestyle that they're promoting today, do you think Jesus would have just pushed them aside? I don't believe so. I think Jesus would have gone to their heart and spoke to them and tried to, to, to show them that he is the way, the truth, and the life. And that if you're going to get to the Father, you need to go through him and trust him and, and seek forgiveness and repent of those things and, and get things right just like he's done for us. So we need to do the same thing. And so this is all about how to live and, and, and how to do those things. And, so, and it's all a format for power, right? The, the power that God wants us to have. And the intro was verses 1 and 2, 3 and 4 was the powerful promises that God gives us and the, uh, and the powerful practices in verses 5 through 11, how we ought to live. And now we get to the last one, the powerful prophecy. Three different areas of prophecy here that, that we need to look at. We're, we're going to define prophecy as speaking God's word, okay? In the Old Testament, they were speaking words that no one knew that, that God was giving to them, and, and they were preaching a message that, that they hadn't heard before, and, and they were telling them things that they needed to know and to hear. And, well, today we have the complete word of God. We know everything that takes place from the beginning of time and in, in, in creation all the way to the end of time when we will be in the eternal state. We have everything in between in, in how we ought to be living. There is nothing new that needs to be prophetic today in that essence. Instead, what we do now is we proclaim the, the word of God that has been preserved for every one of us. And so we, we preach and we promote the truth of God's word. And, and that's what can be considered prophecy. And, and so we're going to see three different types of, of prophecy today. And first of all, Peter is going to write about and tell them and remind them about his own testimony. Can I tell you how powerful your testimony can be to encourage those around you? God has allowed you to go through certain things in your life and and experience certain things, whether it be trials or experiences or you know positive experiences or or negative or all of those things, and 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 how God brought you around and brought you to salvation, and and uh, God has has allowed those things in your life to help make you who you are, and and then to take those things that you've been through so that you can then help someone else. Well, that's exactly what Peter is talking about here, and. And he wants to use his own testimony. Sometimes, guys, don't diminish or think less of yourself, thinking, well, I don't really have a powerful testimony. You don't know until you share it with someone. And if God's leading you to share your testimony with someone, tell them whatever your testimony is of how you trusted Christ and how powerful it is and remind them of God's goodness. But this is what he says here in verses 12 through 15. Wherefore, I will, be not, I will not be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. <clears throat> Those of you who have children. Have you ever told something to your children and through a time period of maybe several years, you've repeated yourself? Anybody here ever repeat yourself to your children? I, I don't know if that's just me or... Now, maybe this is not your children either. Do they ever get aggravated at you? When you keep reminding them of certain things, well, it's it's not that it's not that that we're I, I don't know we don't trust you, but it's just something that repetition is a good thing and a good reminder. 
Well, that's all, that's all Peter is doing here. He's wanting to remind them of things that, <coughs> and the goodness of things, and, and uh, how, how great it is to be a, uh, a born-again believer and the opportunity to live for God. And, and he so, so he says here, I'm, I am not going to be negligent to put you always in remembrance of these things. What are these things? All those things that I just covered the last 10 minutes, right? Though you know them. Okay, Dad, I know that. Okay, Dad, I know that. I'm just reminding you. Okay, Dad, I know that. Well, and then as soon as I quit reminding you, why do you forget? <laughs> Next time, I won't remind you. I'll just take a cardboard tube and donk you on the head. You know? And so here, he says, and so it's not always a bad thing, kids. If your parents are reminding you, it's a good thing. It means they care. They want you to do things right. And, and so I hear it. That's all Peter is saying here, too. And, and uh, even though you know them, but why? And be established in the present truth, in the truth that you are living today, where, where you are today. You need to understand some things. What, whatever, whatever is going on in your life today, you need to be reminded that, look, if you know Christ is your Savior, then you need to be working on these things that were mentioned. And you need to understand that God has given you everything that you need for this life and for godliness. And he wants you to be reminded of that. And he wants you to know that you have everything in front of you that, that you need to be established, strengthened, and settled in this present truth and present time of your life. God has it all. You might think that, man, I'm, God, I'm not equipped to handle what I'm going through right now. Well, maybe you're not, but God is, and he'll equip you. And he'll help you, guide you through that, and, and through that he'll make your faith stronger in what's going on in your life. And here Peter was saying, look, I'm just writing these things to remind you of what God is doing in your life, and, and that's all we want to do today is remind you that whatever is going on in your life today, that God is able to help you through this present truth and through your present reality and show you how to live this life in godliness. And he wants you to know that. And then he goes on, Yea, I think it meet, or it's appropriate, as long as I'm in this tabernacle, in this body, to stir you up by putting you in remembrance. Peter is saying it's necessary, and I think it's necessary, and I think it's appropriate to continue to remind you. You know, some, sometimes I, and I'm sure you think the same thing, you know, that I repeat things over and over. And, and it's not that I have a bad memory, which I do sometimes, especially when Teresa asks me to do certain things. <clears throat> Most of the time I just don't hear her. She don't speak loud enough. <laughs> and so, anybody else have that problem? Thank you. Thank you for all the support. The rest of you guys are a bunch of chickens. Uh, <laughs> oh. But here he says, I, I think it's appropriate as long as I'm alive, then I want to stir you up and wake you up by putting you in remembrance, knowing that shortly, and, and, and here's part of that prophecy too, that I must put off this my tabernacle, even as our Lord Jesus Christ hath showed me. He knew that his time was short. You know, Brother Walters, I was talking to some friends of mine last night. We were texting each other, and the text group, the stand guys that have been out here before, and, and one of them was on there. He said, yeah, he said, I had, uh, 
uh, called Brother Walters just lately and was scheduling him to come down and preach for me. And, and, and he said, Brother Walters' exact words were, Brother, you better hurry up because my time is short. He didn't know how short. But here, Peter, obviously, God had, had worked in his heart and was probably preparing him for some dying grace that was soon to take place in his life. And so Peter was saying here that I think it is very appropriate then, at the end of my days, it's not me that I want you to remember, but I want you to remember the words of God, and I want you to end well, and I want you to live your life in godliness and with God's blessings upon your life. And so I am going to continue to remind you of the truth of God's word. Moreover, I will endeavor that you may be able, after my decease, to have these things always in remembrance. <clears throat> I think one of the greatest things that a pastor can do in the church, and if he stays long enough, is that, that whenever his time is over and he is gone, that those believers are able to carry on and move forward and do the things that they ought to because that, that shows that it's not man worship, but that that man has pointed people to Jesus. And they follow him and they walk with him and, and the church continues to be strong and continues to do the right thing and, and that they will always be able to remember those things that they were taught. And I think that's a powerful testimony that Peter had for those that he loved and that's what he wanted. And so we see his testimony. We also see God's testimony. Look at this in verses 16 through 18. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. <clears throat> I, I, ha I had a text yesterday from someone who was asking me about you know, some, some motives of people, and, 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 I, and I can see this. I, I think that, that sometimes, and preachers can get into this uh, as well, be careful of manipulating people. I, I don't want to manipulate anyone. I, I, look, I think we ought to pray for Israel. I think we ought to pray for our country. Do I think the, that, that time could be short? Absolutely. I think that today could be the day that the Trump sounds and, and he calls all Christians home. Are you ready? I hope that you are. If not, get ready for that. But I also don't want everybody to walk away in fear and, 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 and scared of everything that's out there. And, and I do believe that there are people out there and many false prophets today who are out there crying and claiming that this is the end of time and, and, and be afraid. And, you know, and, and, and look, I, I just can't, I can't watch any news at all, okay? I, I, I'm tired of, of Glenn Beck telling us how you need to be buying gold every moment of every day and you need to be hoarding food. And, and, and look, that's just Mormon teaching. And all, that's where he comes from and that's what they do. And, and, so, and, and that's because they are going to be in the tribulation. They need to repent and trust the real Jesus, not the Jesus of Mormonism. But I don't believe that we need to go around and, and we th what, what are you going to do? You're going to hoard all your food and then what are you going to do? Kill somebody over a hamburger? I mean, I, I, I think it's a crazy day and a crazy thought and, 
And so you have all this hatred and, and you have all this fear and, and all of these things going on. You know what? You're, you're far better off. I don't know how bad it'll get before the, the rapture takes place, but if it does get a little worse, you're a whole lot better to not trust in your hordes that you have and just trust in God to give you your daily provision. That's biblical. And trust Him and walk with Him. Don't walk around scared to death of what's going on and being mad at everyone and doing those things. And, and here we see that there are people today who are trying to drive up their numbers and, and get them to follow them. And they're using these cunningly devised fables that are out there. And, 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 and Peter was saying, look, we didn't do that. All we did is that we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Who is he? He's God himself. Who was, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. He said, you know how good God is? Well, we were able to see just a little bit of his majesty, of his splendor, of his glory. How, and, and we think about what Peter saw at that Mount of Transfiguration. We think about what Peter saw when when he was in the boat and he saw Jesus walking on the water of the, of the horrible storm and, and was able to get out of the boat and walk to him on water and, and saw the power of him to, to feed 5,000 with just a handful of uh, fish and, and a couple of loaves of bread. And, and he watched the lame walk. He saw the blind see again. He, he saw those that were going to die in their infirmities and he saw Jesus heal them. He said, oh, I saw the majesty of our God. Know how we need to understand that in this wicked world today, we don't need to be acting wickedly and we don't need to be falling in love with the worldliness of it, but rather we need to be living in a godly fashion. And I want you to know that, <clears throat> that Peter said that his own testimony, I'm, not, I'm going to go to the grave reminding you of that. And, and then I also want you to know the power of our God that can handle whatever it is that you're going through. And I was an eyewitness of that. For he, Jesus, received from God the Father honor and glory. Can I tell you, if God the Father gave Jesus Christ honor and glory, then shouldn't we? Shouldn't we give him honor and glory today? Shouldn't we praise him and, and respect him for who he is? And when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Man, how powerful would that have been? And Peter, probably, I, I guess I, I can relate to Peter. He, I, I'm, I'm maybe one of those that let's just jump out of the boat, you know, and let's trust God and move forward. And uh, a little, uh, um, <clears throat> What, what's the fancy word I'm thinking, you know, to just uh, not think about it, just go do it, you know? But uh, anyway, forget it. You know what I'm talking about? <coughs> and uh, presumptuous, maybe. But I don't mean it in a bad and a sinful way. But here, Peter was that way. Let's just go. Let's just do it, you know? It's like the building. Let's just build it. How are you going to pay for it? I don't know. Let God do that. You know? Let's start digging the footers. You know, let's see what God can do. I, I don't know, but Peter was always like that, and it tells us to the Mount of uh, Transfiguration that he was the one to speak, and, and that's when God told him, this is my beloved son, and whom I am well pleased. And, 
uh, just listen to him. And so Peter was that, but he said, I, I just want you to know that if, if you understand who God is and you understand who Jesus is, then you know that he's given you everything that pertains unto life and godliness. And you can do these things that, that you need to be doing because of his power. And I'm telling you, by his own testimony of who he is, I know, and you can count on it, that he will fulfill what he says. And then the third thing he says that brings uh, that point and reemphasizes everything that he said up to this point is the testimony of God's own word. And that's what we have today in verses 19 through 21. We, also, we have also a more sure word of prophecy. That's this, okay? It's from page 1 all the way to the last verse in Revelation chapter 22, Genesis 1-1, all the way through. We have everything that we need that pertains unto life and godliness, and it's right here. It's not man's word. This is God's word. This is, he, he, he had men pen this, but, but they pinned what he said that they needed to pin. And, and he wrote it out, and, and, and he gave it to us, and, and he's preserved it now for thousands of years so that we have it, and, and we know about God, and we know how we ought to be living in, in this crazy world. And, and, so, and it is a sure word of prophecy. You don't want to trust my testimony, Peter says, and you don't want to even trust or think about God's testimony, then just take his word that's right here. Maybe you didn't get to eyewitness the things that I did about who God is, but you can take his word, and it is a more sure word that I know that you can stand on today, and just as Peter said that, then you can still stand on the power of God's word and know that he'll lead you in, in truth and in right and in righteousness and in goodness and show you everything that pertains to life and godliness. And so we have a more sure word of prophecy. Whereunto you do well that you take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Can I tell you that if you're having problems in your life, it's because you are not doing what God's word tells you to do. You come to me for counseling, then we're just going to look at your life compared to the word of God. Are you doing what God's word tells you to do? No. Are, are you spending time in God's word? No. Well, how are you going to know what God wants if you won't spend time in his word? How are you going to be able to, how can you have a relationship with God that you never talk to through prayer? Talk to him. Lay it out. Pray. Pray and pray more and ask and keep asking. Knock and keep knocking. Seek and keep seeking. God will answer. God is listening and, and so he'll show you what you need. And, and so here, we, if we would do well then to take heed to what God's word says and, 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 and here is unto a light that shineth in a dark place. Are you in a dark place right now? Have you gone into that black hole that I've talked about? Then look to the word of God. This is the brightest light that you can find. This is the light that will bring you out. This is the light that will pull you out of the cave. This is the light where you think that you're all alone and there's no one around. It's the light of God's word that will show you that there are many in that same place and many going through the same thing and many that God is doing and working in their lives and, and bring you and show you that you're not alone even in the Savior himself being beside you. 
Oh, it shineth in a dark place until the day dawn, until that light finally shines through. And you see that God is who he says he is, and you can take his word and you can count on that sure word of prophecy. And the day star arise in your hearts. That morning star talks about Christ himself. And it's not about just uh, when, when he arises in your heart, whenever you trust him as your Savior. This is talking about when you come to a full realization of who you are as a child of God and what God has given you for this life in this present truth to live in a way that will bring honor and glory to him. And that's the day star that will arise in your hearts. Knowing this first. So know this, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation. Be careful. Don't pull a verse out of context he's telling us. Let the word of God explain the word of God. That's what you have to do. You have to be a student of the word. You see one verse and it doesn't make sense, then, and it's showing you something, then keep studying the word and find other verses, and you'll find out there will be other verses that will help clarify that verse. And so you let the scripture interpret itself. And it doesn't come by somebody coming along and saying, hey, I have a new interpretation. Beware of that. Be careful of that. That isn't true at all. Let the word of God be the interpreter of it. Why? Because the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man. Never was this written by just some man sitting down and saying, hey, I'm, I'm going to write this out and I'm going to fool everyone and, and I'm just going to write my meanderings and my thoughts and, and, and this is going to become the word of God. It isn't that at all. This didn't come by the will of man whatsoever. There's no way that this could come from the will of man. Whenever you go back and you study the history of the word of God and, and thinking over three different continents and over a, a, a couple thousand years of writing it all down and, and no contradictions. Sorry, guys can't do that. You ever written a term paper and written it out perfectly? Always red ink. But here we see nothing with God because it did not come in old time by the will of man. But holy men of God, so those saints that have been set apart by God, that know Christ as their Savior, spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. And so they were born along by the Holy Ghost. And so as they were writing down, as Peter was writing this letter, the Holy Spirit was saying, Peter, I want you to inform them of, of these things, these, these uh, qualities that they need to have in their lives. Okay, Lord, what are they? Well, there's faith and virtue and temperance and patience and godliness and, 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 and uh, brotherly love and, and charity. And I, and I want you to write those things down. And Okay, God, I'm, I'm writing those down. And I'm and he writes those things down. He writes them down in his, in his own abilities that he has. And, and it's interesting to see how every one of those men had different abilities and how they wrote. John and Peter were both fishermen. Their, their, their languages, when you study the originals, are, are, are very simple in, in their language and very simple in their sentence forms. And, and then Paul, whenever he wrote his, who was highly educated, and, and, and God used him and and, and he had such a vocabulary, many places he used one word one time, and that was it. Try to, have, try to write out 13 books of the Bible and, only, and use that one word only one time in all of that. And so we see that 
God used these men and they, they wrote these things down and, and they were moved and they were directed by the Holy Spirit of God. Just as the wind takes the sail of a sailboat and pushes it out across the ocean, that is exactly what the Holy Spirit did to those men and carried them about and they wrote down what God wanted them to write. And then we have the most precious thing in all of life is the Word of God. You ever have a fire in your home? First thing you ought to grab is this. You can only have one thing and things really go bad in this world and you're only given one thing to have? I'll take this. God can provide the rest. God can protect. God can provide. God can do whatever He needs to in my life, but... Oh, how precious it is to have the perfect Word of God. And so Peter is telling them, look, there are all kinds of challenges that come in your life. They're going to try to infiltrate into the walls of your home. Those problems are going to try to infiltrate into the walls of your church. And you can combat that, and you can fight that, and and you can, you can have victory over those things by knowledge in the perfect Word of God. How good is that? How good is that? He has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness. So how are we doing in this life? How are you doing in this present truth? Have you trusted Christ? Are you living for Him? Are you having some real battles in your life? Well, Rejoice in those, those struggles that you're having because God's showing you that, hey, there's an area of your life you need to work on. And so in that, you, you take that trial that he's allowing in your life and you apply the power of the word of God and, and he gives you victory and you see that he is all sufficient and can handle whatever it is that's going on in your life. You just live for him. That's what we need. That's what this country needs. That's what our community needs. And these believers who are willing to say, Lord, I'm willing to forsake everything and just follow you. I want to do what your word says. And I don't care what other people think. I don't care what this world is trying to promote. All I want to do is promote you. I want to give you the honor and the glory in my life in, in not only the way that I walk, but in the things that I say. And I want to make a difference in people's lives for all eternity. That is what Peter was wanting them to remember. How to live that will impact people for all eternity. Peter wanted to do that. God blessed him. 2,000 years later, we're still reading what Peter wants to remind us of. How good is that? Let's live for him. Let's live for the Lord. Let's give him everything that we need. Whatever is going on in your life, give it up today. And let's follow him wholeheartedly. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. Thank you for the blessings of your, the, the truth of it. It never lies. It's always the truth. And we know that and we want to trust that. And so help us to live in a way that describes the, the way that a Christian ought to behave. That, Father, you will do a work in the hearts of each one who's here. I pray, Lord, that you will search and guide us and direct us. 
so I ask that you meet the needs of each one who's here. And Father, as we're just here today and just taking a moment of silence, I pray that you will, through the Holy Spirit of God, inspect the hearts of each one. Lord, if there's something that needs to be laid at the altar, that now they would do so. They'll get out of their seat, they'll come, and they can pray at the altar here. They can go over to the cross, and they can write something down and stamp it on that cross and leave it there if they need to. They can do business sitting in their chair right where they are. And that, Father, you would do a work in their hearts and help them, Lord, to do whatever needs to be done to restore their relationship with you. Lord, we love you. So, Father, we just give you a moment and pray you do a work. Father, thank you. We love you. We pray that you have stirred in the hearts of each one who's here. Guide us, use us, help us to live this life, this present truth, in godliness that represents you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. God bless you guys. You are dismissed.